Hey, good evening, friends. It's time to saddle up and get ready to ride along with Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Hey, we're going to have a great program tonight, and you are going to be blessed, I guarantee it. So buckle up and hang on for Church on the Road. up I'm driving when the sun goes down the hum of 18 wheels Lord that's a lonely sound I spend all day chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day Hey friends, this is Chapman Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry, and I've got my partner with me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and I'm excited and honored to be here in the cab with Gary Rayburn. And we are going to have church on the road for you today, folks. So sit back, listen, and enjoy our program. And if you'd like to get more copies, just give us a call at 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org. Two crumb stacks, my address is 408-414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Hey, we got a great guest with us today, and we're going to roll on with Jesus, and uh, the road is our life. We're going to bring the church to the people out on the road today, Fred. Isn't that awesome, taking yeah. the church to the people? Yeah, we got a real pastor to help us do it. Oh. It's Pastor Ron White from Anna Jonesboro. Amen. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I, we appreciate you. Uh, you're going to share your testimony with us today. Yes, I am. I'm going to share a little bit of testimony, what God done in my life and what he's done for me and what he can do for anybody else. All right. Well, all right. Well, just jump right in there and go ahead and share your testimony, share what's on your heart and talk to the, the people out there on the road. Praise God. Well, it's good to be here today with, uh, brother Gary and brother Fred. Um, I was born, raised in Sims, Illinois, where I was raised, and it's a little bitty town. And I remember as a child, uh, one one Sunday, some people that live south of town, Art and Zell Baker, uh, came and picked up my sister and took her to Sunday school. And uh, the next week, I wanted to go, and so they 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 took us. And uh, and anyway, we went, and I started going to church. And I about how old was you then, Ron? I was probably about seven. Seven, okay. About seven you, years old. You got an early education. I did. Go ahead. I uh, really enjoyed it and really loved Art and Zell. They were really good people. Um, I kind of back up just a hair. I remember when I was a, a slightly, just a year or two younger, I was down at my uh, my dad's cousin's down in a little town called Bell Prairie. And uh, we was down there, and I got in trouble. I was throwing croquet balls down the well. And uh, my cousins, this happened, their, their dad was Catholic, and uh, – 
They told me that was a sin. And I'd never heard the word sin before, but even as a little boy, it stung my heart when I heard that word. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I knew it was bad. So then fast forward to Art and Zell bringing us to church. Well, bottom line is the, my mom and dad started going, and they had a revival. And during that revival, we all got saved that night. Wow. Every one of us. My mom got saved at home, but the rest of us gave our heart to the Lord that night. And I could, I don't know how I remember, but Brother Raleigh Eller was preaching out of Zechariah about the, the two olive trees and the two golden candlesticks. Now, how a seven-year-old boy would remember that, I don't know. But they started singing a song just over in the glory land. And I wanted to go over to the glory land and be with Jesus, ready to go. Yeah. And I gave my heart to the Lord. And, you know, things don't always work the way you think they're going to. And really had one of the, the most enjoyable times of my family's life. But when I was nine, my mother had a stroke that crippled her for life. Mm. And, you know, I started kind of questioning, you know, what why got a lot to happen. And the next year, my dad passed away when I was 10. And I got very angry at God. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, God must not, must not like us. He must, he must hate us. I hear they say he answers prayer. And I, I prayed. And two hours later, my father was dead. And I got angry. And I thought, well, God must hate us. So I just, I just hate you right back. I, I was ignorant. I didn't know. I was just confused and hurt. And uh, from that time on, I kind of started doing my own thing. My mom really wasn't able to take care of me. My aunt, my dad's sister stayed with us, my Aunt Frances, and me and my sister Karen to help take care of my mom. And I started getting into drugs and alcohol. And by the time I was in the eighth grade, I was already a drug addict and alcoholic, severely. Smoked from the time I, right after my dad passed away. And, you know, people think that big decisions change your life. But I, I can take you to I'm going to go there today and record it for my, my Sunday school teacher. He wanted me to see the spot. He was going to come with me, but he couldn't. But the bottom line was I could take you to the spot there at Sims where I was standing on the sidewalk. A friend of mine quit the basketball team. I used to love to play on the team, basketball, softball. And I remember standing there looking right across railroad tracks at the school, making this decision, should I quit the team or not? And when I, I quit the team, and I could take you back to that spot, when I made that decision, and my life went downhill from that point on. Yeah. So little kids, if you're listening, little decisions – there are no little decisions that can change the course of your, your life. And so as time went on, I uh, just kind of done my own thing, partied, went through high school, and never was much of a son, just uh, really angry, I guess, and just doing my own thing. I wasn't hurting nobody, just leave me alone. Well, when the time I was 21, I got married. We had two little kids, Amber and Leslie, and me and my wife ended up divorced, but even before then, Brother Gary's mother-in-law, Helen Henderson, lived right a house down in between us. She was on the corner, and we was like one two houses down. My little girls, Amber and Leslie, going down there. Helen had chickens, and my little girls would go down there and play with them chickens. And Helen would sit in the swing and sing. And, and she wrote a song that really touched my heart. Uh, when Jesus comes from glory, I'll be waiting. Wow. But I remember that time, my, my kids and as, as time would have it, my life went downhill farther and farther, and I lost my driver's license to DUI. So I ended up in Florida. I had a job. I didn't have no way to get there, so I had to move there. And I wrote an old, and I tell my testimony, that, and a, a friend of mine saved it. I still got it. I know, when I was telling him, it was an old jump bicycle. It wasn't even a good bicycle. It, the pedal was <laughs> just rods, and the weld was broke, and the foot slip off. And it seemed like every time I got on it, it rained. And I worked up at North American Lighting. I figured up I probably Rode, rode that bike 10,000 miles over eight years. And you, ga you gauge carrying your groceries by weight. And so, anyway, <laughs> the time would have it, before I, right before I went to Florida, I'd picked up a Bible one night at my cousin's house. We were all messed up on drugs and alcohol. And I started reading that little New Testament. And they say the Word of God is alive and powerful. And it began to speak to my heart. And they all kind of was making fun of me, but... I didn't have to go find a preacher to find out if it was true. I knew it to be true because I'd got saved as a little boy and I knew it was God's word. And it wasn't really good what I was reading concerning me. And I thought, but it's too late now. I've done messed it up. And I kept reading and I got this, you know, when you're on cocaine, you do stuff for hours. And I, I just kept reading and I got to this place in John chapter 10. He said, I'm the good shepherd, Jesus said. He said, but the thief come not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
He said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And when I read that, Gary, it, something struck in me. It's like getting hit upside the head with a board. Like, wait a minute. I didn't realize about this thief. I thought God was the source of all my problems. I thought, well, maybe if, if that's true, then maybe God's not the source of my problem. Maybe, maybe it's that thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy, and mess up my family, and he's the one that hated us, and just maybe God could help me with my problems. But I thought it was too late. I didn't open my big mouth and said a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have. And I struggled with it for a while, but I kept reading that Bible, and I went into reading John chapter 6, and this is for anybody out there, and I was struggling, trying to get off alcohol and drugs, and I, I, I couldn't for the life of me. No matter what I'd done, I'd, I'd just keep messing up. I'd go for a little while, and then it, I'd be over with. I, well, you got 30 days. I, I couldn't get 30 days. But whatever amount of days I'd have, then the first time you take a drink, guess how many days you got? None. And I'd get so frustrated. I said, Lord, I guess I'm not good enough. I said, if you, I'm not good enough. Just kick me to the curb, but just leave me alone. And I read that in John chapter 6. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And if any man will come unto me, I'll in no wise cast him out. I said, here I come, Lord. Here I come, the mess that I am. I said, if you want me changed, then you're going to have to change me because it's apparent I can't do this. I've already, I've already figured that much out. Well, in the meantime, I went to work there, and a friend of mine, Jerome Hefner, uh, he was telling me, he said, my brother Jim wants to come up and have a prayer meeting at your house, Bible study. He said, he's a good preacher. And I thought, yeah, yeah. But you know what I found out? Jim Hefner was a good preacher. Him and his wife, Gail, Showed me what it was to be a Christian. And they, they, they was after me to get my license. And I thought, well, I didn't know why I'd get my license back. And he said, I said, I don't even have a car. He said, well, I'll get you a car. So he bought a van and gave it to me. And he, he gave me a cell phone. He said, if it tears up, just call me. I'll come get it and fix it. So you just can't find people. That, normal people don't do that. And so I had that van. And one day I sit sitting there. My sister called me and. She said, you know of Stanley Matthews? And I said, Stanley Matthews? I said, I thought about it. And I said, yeah, I seem like he worked there at the picture frame factory when I worked there. She said, well, he called and wanted you to preach a revival for him. So I called Brother Stanley, and he said, uh, I'd preach one Sunday, uh, the Easter service, sunrise service there at uh, Dalgren Community Chapel where I went to church with Brother Hefner. Brother Stanley asked me to preach a revival. Boy, I was really going to, you know. Uh, but I, I, I stepped back. I didn't quite. I didn't have the van yet. I was in the process of getting it because my daughter had to drive me. That's how good it was. She was 16. She had to drive me to come pick me up and drive me to the thing to preach the revival. And the second night there, uh, Brother Stanley asked anybody had any testimonies, and my daughter Amber stood up, and I thought, oh, it made my heart feel good. She said, you know, said, I'm so proud of my dad. Said he's, he's, he's quit drinking and he's, he's, he's trying to quit smoking and he's working on getting his license back, getting his life in order. Said, I'm real proud of him. And then she looked right at me. She said, but I hate what you've done to me. Mm. And I mean, it stung. Mm -hmm. She said, when you and mom got divorced, said, uh, we look forward to you come getting us on the weekends. And that for, you did for a while. And then after that, we'd get ready and we'd stand out there and wait and wait and wait. Until it get dark, mom would make us come in and go to bed. And we'd go in and cry ourselves to sleep time and time again. Yep. But she said something then that was so powerful. She said, at eight years old, I got saved, gave my heart to Jesus. And right after that, I got the Holy Ghost. And she said, shortly after that, my little sister Leslie got saved. She got the Holy Ghost. And she said, I knew at eight years old that if my dad just knew my Jesus, my Jesus could fix my broken dad. That's right. And that's the gospel right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, 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 was, it stung, but it was, it was true. And I, I attribute a lot to my mom's prayers and my, and my, my kids' prayers. But we talked about my friend Monty Dash. We all <laughs> know Brother Monty. He was, yeah. If you didn't know him, he was, he was something else, but he was a great guy. And he told me the greatest miracle God ever done for me was the fact that my children would have anything to do with me. Amen. And that's probably true. Amen. But the bottom line is, from that point on, Brother Hefter and them struggled with me to help me get my license back. Over a period of time, I got my license back, and I, he gave me that van. And I started going to church. And I, I, I just, from the time I, I started reading that word, I, I just had a hunger for it. It was like 
um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like I'd found an antiquity. <laughs> you know, the Bible, the old part's like almost 4,000 years old, and the newest part's 2,000 years old. And I would read, and I realized it was a truth of God's Word, and I would read a sentence, and something so profound would just, I would just be amazed. I couldn't wait to read the next sentence to see what it said. And it was like I'd found this treasure, and it is. It is a treasure, and it can transform your life. And from that point on, like I say, I had that old junk bicycle, and I didn't ha ride it anymore, and I... Somebody said, do you ever, you ever ride a bike anymore? I said, if I'm going across the street, I'm driving. <laughs> I rode that bike all I wanted to. But we were having a, a as time would happen, Brother Hafner asked me to go down to uh, Anna Jonesboro that's having a New Year's Eve watch service. And it was the first time that church was taking communion. And at the time, I was taking communion every day with the Lord. And I said, yeah, I'd be glad to go. His wife couldn't go at the last minute, so I went down with him. And that's where I met my wife and Pastor Bon Reynolds and his brother Richard and and uh, that's how I affiliated with those people down there. But it's like I knew them all my life when I got down there. And, I, and I've seen how God has put people in my life. First, Art and Zell Baker and, and the church there, the General Baptist Church in Sims. And then and the McNews and, and those people. And then Brother Jim and Gail Hefner and Dalgreen Chapel. And then Brother Bond and Linda Reynolds and Richard Reynolds and my wife, Julie. God really blessed me. So we had a, a, a surprise birthday party for me, my 60th birthday. And uh, I talked about my old junk bicycle on the road. And Jerome <laughs> said, said, I still got it. I said, oh, I still got what? He said, I, I, I still got that old junk bicycle. He brought it. I went and got it. And I've got it at the <laughs> church now. And Brother Richard Reynolds wrote me a poem for my 60th birthday. Made such a leap. And I got a picture of that old bicycle with that poem on there. Uh, and just how God can change your life. How it can transform you. And from there, I, I ended up becoming a pastor at Faith Community Church mm. and was associate pastor for a while. My wife, Julie, she's, she's an awesome woman of God and just uh, knows truly how – she's better at witnessing to other people than I am. She, she really has a heart for people. But God brought us down there, and we're pastoring the church there. And I just say this to anybody, that, that big little decisions you think have big consequences. That's true. And and the, the best decision you can ever make is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. You'll never be sorry if you did it. Amen. Praise Amen. God. I don't doubt Jerome Hefner had that bicycle. I know him really good. Me and him went to school together, actually. Oh. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jerome is, is a lot like Monty Dash. He's one in a million. You know? That's a fact. <laughs> you know, yeah. one time it was after Jerome, this type of guy was, when I started going to Dalvin, I didn't have a driver's license. Jerome would drive from Dixie, Illinois, up to Florida, pick me up, yep. drive me to Dalvin. Oh, my. And yeah. we'd spend Sunday afternoon, and he'd drive me home and take yep. me back. And he'd done that for quite a while. But one day after Easter sunrise service, we was back at his house, and they had a volleyball net in the front yard. His daughter Robin and Gwen was out there, yeah. and, and Brother Hefner, Jim, and Gail's boys, John and Paul, and we was playing volleyball, and they're Cousin Charity. And Jerome was sitting on the steps of the house, about four or five steps with big pillars up on each side of the old house. And the light shined just right. When I looked at Jerome, it was like, it was like Jesus was transfigured. God said, inside of the heart of Jerome Hefner beats the heart of a king. Uh -huh. And I seen him in a different light. And he'd do anything for anybody he can. But he, he, one thing he, he loves to do is to see people healed yeah. and pray for the sick. Well, Ron, you talked about uh, my wife Linda's mom, Helen, yes. and that song that uh, she wrote, When Jesus Comes from Glory. Yeah. And she just loved to sing, and, uh, and this song that she wrote, we happen to have it recorded, and it's Justine Loker from Orchardville Church sings it, and we're going to put right. that on and play yeah. that for you. That'd be great. And then we're going to find out more about Ron White and, and what God is doing with your life right now. Okay? Okay. All right. So we're going to play that song. Day. I'm coming to the 
sunset of my life I want to follow Jesus all the way when Jesus comes from glory I'll be waiting to praise his holy name forevermore I'll be at rest in a mansion he's prepared for me oh he's been good to me I'll praise his holy The birds that sing along the waterway The bright blue skies, white fluffy clouds on high They prove to me that God is living nigh When Jesus comes from Is uh, a song written by my wife uh, Linda's mother Helen Henderson, and she passed away in 1999, I believe. Uh, That's awesome. I, like I say, my my kids were little, and they said we're gonna go down to Grandma Helen's, and she had those chickens out there, and they go play with the chickens, and Helen would just be sitting in the swing, swinging and singing to the Lord, swinging and a singing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and my kids, that's, that's why they called her Grandma Helen, and. Yeah. Uh, They'd come home. <laughs> I said, where's your shoes? I don't know. How do you lose your shoes? But, you know, it, it was really a blessing, you know. Uh, and when I heard that song, it really blessed me. This is a beautiful song. Yes, amen. All right. Well, God has done a transformation in your life, and, and he's taken you up out of the drugs and alcohol yeah. and turned you into the man of God that he plan for your life, and that is being a pastor and, and caring for people. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your church down there at uh, Anna Jonesboro, Faith Community of Anna. Faith Community Church of Anna. Right now we're, we're fairly small. Uh, we were, we're down uh, south of, uh, or outside of town of Jonesboro, old sawmill church, and it was getting pretty wore out and was going to have to build another church, so we decided we would build a church rather than put the money into that. That one had needed a lot of help. And we know God was with us. And because when it was all said and done, just a handful of people, we ended up being able to buy this property, annex it into the city, have all the power and sewer and all that ran to the church. And when we were done, within six months, we had it paid off completely. Brother Bond used to, Reynolds used to say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Amen. Amen. And it had to be. And as we were building it, we would write scriptures on the studs mm -hmm. all inside there. So the word of God is literally inside there. And me and Brother Bond, we had a, a company come in and build us a pole barn with concrete floor. 
And then we just sit down with a tape measure and a, a piece of paper and started drawing up the church and framing it up. And we literally have our blood, sweat, and tears in there. Yeah. I've kicked Brother Bond in the head, hit him with a hammer, <laughs> stepped on his fingers. I've shot nails through the studs into my thumb. And so we literally have our blood, sweat, and tears in that church. But, you know, I never enjoyed that so much. And I remember the times with Brother with Monty Dash when – Orchardville, because it, it ended up being such a big thing when it started from not even a building. And I, I knew Mark and Kay and, and a lot of people that went there. And, and I'd, I'd, Monty would come and tell them about it, and they'd have building work days and stuff. And I remember going with Monty just to help. We'd hang drywall or whatever. And I remember the satisfaction, just doing something for God. And I remember seeing uh, young kids there. Maybe their job was just walk around the trash bag picking up insulation stuff or trash or whatever, but doing something for God. Just, I remember just seeing a smile and satisfaction on everybody's face from just helping. And I thought when we were building that church one time, you know, King David was, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And he wanted to build a house for God, but God would not let him. He said, you're too much blood on your hands, but your son Solomon will build your house. And I thought the honor it is to build something for God mm-hmm. is truly an honor to be able to do something like that for him. You know, some people say, well, that's the church is just, it's, it's not a building. It's a people. Well, that might be true, but without that building, there'd be no place for the people to meet and the people come together. You can strengthen each other and, and lift each other up when someone's down and, and vice versa and, and, and teach people about the word of God and the ways of God. And especially in this day and age, it's, it's getting, uh, so very hard the the world today, I mean, I even as a heathen when I was running around, was nothing like it is now, and I, I just think more and more we need people teaching the truth of the God's word, mm-hmm. and if people knew how good God was, they would be running down there, and give their life to Jesus. Amen, amen. So you got a you say a small church? Yeah. How many how many seats you got in your? We got enough. We could fill up probably 160 to 200. Okay. Well, you got you got room to grow. We got room to grow. Okay. So we're going to uh, put this out on a CD, and you can pass it out in your community. Invite people to church. So what do you want to tell people that uh, <clears throat> that might pick up this CD and uh, listen to your testimony and would help them decide to come to your church? Well, one thing I do know is we, we don't have uh, most programs. We, we don't have uh, the big praise teams. But one thing we do have, we, we will love you. Mm-hmm. And no matter what background you come out of, uh, you're welcome. And, and we'll do our best to make you feel loved. And that's what a, uh, one man said. It's a, one of those members of our church now. He said, he said, I can surprise this church wasn't a fool. He said the way people just loved Loved you. I just felt the love of God and felt accepted when I came there. And we try to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes in bigger churches it's harder to do because everybody's led of the Lord and it's always in a seem like in a different direction sometimes. But <laughs> but if you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and, and let God do what it is he wants to do, the most important thing that we, we do there is just not listening to me talk. If somebody has a need... We need to pray for that need. Amen. We need to believe God that, that he can help transform somebody. Because I'll, I'll come back a little bit of my testimony about the drugs I struggled with, but not near as bad as the alcohol. I was a horrible alcoholic. And I tried and tried and tried and could not quit. And like I say, I, I told the Lord at one time, I said, I guess I'm not good enough. I said, it's apparent I can't change, but if you want me to change, you're going to have to change me. So one night I was leaving work on my old junk bicycle, 11 o'clock at Flora, Illinois, and at NEL, and this guy said, Ron, you want a beer? I said, no. I didn't think about it, and I looked around. I was like, where, like, where did that voice come from? I've never said that in my entire life. And it's one of the few times a lot of people say, well, the Lord told me this. or told me that. God spoke to me right there, and he said, I've broken the power of drugs and alcohol in your life and you'll never drink again. And I went riding away from there shouting, Hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. And I know people thought I was crazy, but it was over, and I knew it. And it was like somebody just turned the key from on to off. Mm -hmm. It was like the struggle was over. I knew I wasn't going to battle it anymore. I knew it was done. 
They say the Lord's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. I wouldn't have minded if he'd have been a little early. <laughs> but I think he wanted me to know that you don't just quit whenever you want to. You get yourself in a mess. I can deliver you, but I want you to understand that, that this ain't something I'm just going to sit there and play with. The main thing is, and I tell this to people because we used to have Brother Stanley Matthews. We had mm -hmm. these drug rallies. And because uh, I was one of them. You know, people say, well, my, my boy got with the wrong crowd. I guess he come and got with me. I don't know. We, we was the wrong crowd. But I use this analogy. When you catch a fish and you've got plenty of strong test line, it's a good line, and a good hook, and you set that hook good, that fish gets hooked. He ain't coming off until somebody takes him off. Yeah. And that's the way it is sometimes with uh, addictions of whatever it might be. Right. When you get addicted, it takes God sometimes to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what he done for me. And I, I tell that to anybody that's struggling with anything out there, call upon the name of the Lord. I agree 100%. Now, Yun's probably know I am a delivered alcoholic, and it it happened all at once for me. Now, I know it, ha it hasn't happened that way for a lot of folks, but I know God's power can do it. And that's what happened to me. I was on an aircraft carrier off the coast of Vietnam, and from the time I gave my heart to the to the Lord, I haven't had a had a drink since. And I, I was the same way. I was a fun, functioning alcoholic. And I want people to get a hold of this. If you examine the drug rehab and alcohol rehab programs in the United States, the ones that are faith based in Jesus Christ have an 80 to 90% success ratio. The ones that set up purely on a psychological and intellectual level have a 20% success rate, if that. Mm -hmm. And they usually the first thing they'll tell a, tell a, a abuser is, six months, you'll be right back here. And that's that. But Nikki Cruz has a yep. program that's two years long. And he has an 85% success ratio. And that is the power of God right yeah. there. Now, there's, there's one uh, down in Arkansas, I believe it's John 316 program. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a, at least a year to two year program. Um, you know, a lot of it is, like I say, I work at the prison now. And, you know, you see these guys and. Some of them are really bad guys, done some things, you know, they're paying their debt, but some of them struggle with addictions or whatever, and they get out, but they end up right back where they was and doing with the same people, excuse me, still doing the same thing. And if they can get a separation, but that's hard to do. It is. You know, and I, I just, all I know is the, the only message I have is that there's a lot of people with no hope. And with God, there's hope. I remember yes, that sir. one day riding my bike to NAL. It was I had to do a guy's overtime because I had to pay a lot of child support. And so it keeps you fairly poor. You have to work all the overtime you can. And you know, nothing against it. I, you know, that's just the way it was. But I remember that one morning I for a long time I was tired of this world. I was ready to go. And ready to be done with it. It was very hard. One of my scriptures that that spoke to me when I was reading is Proverbs thirteen fifteen. It says, Good understanding gives favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. And I find life can be very hard to say, Well, at least it can't get no worse. Don't ever say that because I trust me, <laughs> God can turn the pressure up. It can always get worse. Yeah. And I was riding that bicycle one day to work. I had to be there at nine, took half that guy's overtime plus my shift. And it's about eight forty five in the morning. It was a spring day. The sun was shining. The sky was as blue as I ever seen with white fluffy clouds, and the grass was greener than I'd ever remembered it. I could smell honeysuckle. I couldn't see it, but I could smell it, and I never noticed anything like that for years. And I heard birds singing, and I remember thinking and saying to the Lord, Lord, if my life could be like this, I might not mind sticking around a while. You know, God can green up your life. Yes, he can. Yes, he, he can, can change your, your whole perspective. He can change your whole outcome. Right now, I have a, an amazing wife. We adopted a boy who was uh, born about 
16 days after we met, me and my wife met. So God knew that he was going to need, need parents. So we ended up adopting TJ. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the miracles that God does. And I, and I see people that come through and they're hurting and, and, uh, the world beats them up and lets them down. And maybe they'll come up. Sometimes I think our church is like a filling station. People come in, they just need, uh, Something to pick them up, to help them up, and and maybe they'll be gone, but then somebody else will come along. But but I know this that if you come come to the church, we'll love on you, and we'll we'll tell you about the truth of God's word and what he can what he's done for us. We can do for you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Amen. I am so glad to hear about the love and the community in your church. You know that was one of the, one of the commandments: love one another, yeah. that the world would know you by your love one to another. And you know, Paul used that analogy of the, of the body. He said, there's as many members, but one body. He said, the hands, not the foot, and, and all this stuff. And You know, a hand doesn't look anything like a foot. It doesn't do anything a foot does. A nose doesn't do what an ear does. It doesn't look like it. But somehow we think all churches ought to look and do exactly what we do. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. You, there, there are certain things that you know, you got to stand on. You can't just let slide, but the truth of God's word, but... But it's like we used to go up there to Kurt Matthews. He's got a food pantry over oh, at Odin yeah. and a little Pentecostal church. And I went over there, and Brother Stanley kept telling me about his boy's food pantry. And, and Richard Brown's got one over at Jeff now that started out of that. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, well, he got a little food pantry. The first day we showed up, just to go check it out, there's cars packed down both sides of the highway for a quarter mile. I was like, this is a little bigger than what I thought. <laughs> and got to know Brother Kurt and uh, Kim and the thing that amazed me more than anything, we'd go up there and even help sometimes getting ready the day before. And it'd be people from the Catholic church and people from the Baptist church, oh, people yeah. from the Methodist church or the Lutheran church and the Pentecost. They all come together and did for years to accomplish one task yeah. was to, to, to help people and to bless them and to share God's love and word with them. Mm. And I, that's what amazes me. Like you said, Fred, that scripture, by this one sign that they speak in tongues, or by this one sign that they, they believe just like we do, said, no, that you have love one to another. Yeah. By all This by all men know you're my disciples. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your uh, faith community church, uh, you're non-denominational, right? Non-denominational, okay. spirit-filled. And you got a, you're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Yep, so they can look you up on Facebook. Or how about a phone number they can just call you if they'd like to talk to you? Uh, that'd be 618 yeah. 697 7695. All right. Well, and they will uh, give you a call. You'd be glad to talk to them about whatever problems they have or or give them information about your church, whatever the, their needs are. You you want to try to help them yes. meet their needs. Amen. Amen. Now, if, if they can't get a hold of me on that number, my wife's number is 618. 618- Six one four nine seven one nine. Julie White is her name, and she's the church secretary and my wife, and she keeps things afloat. There me. you go. Where would we be without our wives? Oh, I agree. I agree. I'd never yeah. find anything. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, we're going to put on another song. Uh, is there any other songs you'd like to hear, Ron? Something good. All right, something good. Something we're, about Jesus. Something about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a song you wrote about Jesus, ain't you? I've got several of them. (laughs) That that would work great then.
You talked about uh, this guy by the name of Monty Dash, and I've known Monty uh, for a long time, and Fred's known him, and and we've got a, a testimony of Monty Dash out on our uh, podcast and our CDs, but Monty was uh, your best friend, yep, and he was quite a guy. Just give us a, a Monty Dash story. Oh, there's many of those. Uh, Monty and I were, were best friends uh, through high school. We'd done everything wrong you could think of. And uh, Monty ended up giving his heart to the Lord before I did. Yeah. And uh, he come back. And I remember him telling me about he was sitting there drinking beer on the front porch of his mom's house there in Florida. And his little niece was about four years old. And she asked, said, Monty, why do you drink beer? He said, I didn't have an answer for a four-year-old girl. He said, I didn't have a very good answer for myself. And, uh, you know, but the thing about Monty Dash was – when he gave his heart to the Lord, it changed him. He said his mom would get up Sunday mornings and sit around and watch her favorite TV shows or whatever. She worked, I think, at own Factory for years. And One morning he got up. She's all dressed up. She said, well, where are you going? She said, I'm going with you to church. I said, what made you decide to do that? I said, whatever it was that God done in you, I need done in my life. Amen. And, it, and then Flora May started going to church. And wow. she... Uh, she, we got to be friends, too, me and Flora May. She's a good lady. Brother Monty, he was a character, young character. I'll tell you the story. But first time my wife, Monty, met my wife. They were having trivia night at, at Orchardville for the church camp. They got their own camp now, but back then was, yeah. they rented a camp, and they'd have trivia night to raise funds. And I always had a good time. And, and Monty said, what we need, he said, you need people with very different degrees of knowledge. Like, you know, you need women that know NASCAR. <laughs> and so just so happened my wife knew NASCAR. But we weren't married yet. So anyway, I brought her up there, and we're sitting there. I think Frank Taylor and John Mayberry that's on our team too. And oh, that's a team. Yeah, that's a team you. with John we Mayberry. Even, we even won the Smarty uh, uh, the Smarty Pants Award, I think. I believe it. Uh, but, <laughs> but we were sitting there, and I walked up with Julie, and Monty looked at looked at her, and he looked at me, and he looked her up and down, and he looked back at me, and I I know it's coming. Because if you don't want it, you know something's coming. I said, all right, what is it? He goes, she's way out of your league. <laughs> and she was. To be honest with you, she was way out of my league. But, yeah. but uh, Monty, he was quite a character. But I can say this. He impacted a lot of young people's lives. He was, he was an excellent teacher of kids. Yeah. And Mark Shell put him to work as, as the teaching Sunday school to the teens. He said, they knew the Bible better than me. <laughs> but Monty had life experience, and he'd get in the Word, and he'd study ahead of time, and it really impacted those kids. And I remember his funeral, different ones came up to me, and that one lady said, said, my, my granddaughter's going to be a nurse or a teacher because of Monty. And Monty told her, said, you'd be a great teacher. No, I wouldn't. Why is that? And Monty go, because of this, this, and this. The way you do. He was a good encourager. Uh -huh. He knew how to encourage people. And, and you know, there's enough people telling you, you ain't going to mount to nothing. People need to hear that you can do this with God. 
with, with God, you can all things. I can do all things through Christ with strength. And I know Monty was a great encourager, and he was a blessing to me. I know that. Yeah, yeah. We lived seven years in Flora and never knew it. <laughs> he lived. He had to live a mile, a mile and a half from me. I'll be really. Wow. Yeah, ain't that something? Yeah. yeah. You said something earlier before we started recording about Monty and how uh, having cancer had changed his witness. Uh, it just completely changed him, and he was such a powerful witness after uh he got sick wasn't he yes yeah yes he was my wife went through cancer and i remember when monty did he he was telling about when he went to uh chemo one day and there was this lady in there and she just gave them nurses fits and they didn't know what to do monty would tell me he said these people they don't know jesus they don't have any hope all they have is fear and and worry and sickness and anyway, Monty said, I sat there and within 10 minutes had that lady laughing. And that nurse walked over and said, how did you do that? He said, you just got to like what you're selling, and I'm selling Jesus. And <laughs> 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 totally changed that lady's day. Amen. You know, you can turn it around just by yeah. caring about people. That, there you go. Yeah. You know, Monty had one phrase, and I've used it a lot. And it was a great phrase, and he would say, if somebody wanted to argue about their lifestyle or whatever, he'd always say, "Well, how's that working out for you?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what we 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 wanted to make a book of we called it Montyisms. Yeah, and that was definitely one of them. How's that all oh, working yeah. out for you? How's that work? I I never forget. He <laughs> there yeah. was some guy complaining and he looked at me and said, "Well, how's that working out for you?" The guy realized what <laughs> what he was saying, you know. Yeah. You know, that's just another perfect example of what God could do in someone's life. Amen. Yep. I, I was thrilled to have known Monty. He, he was he was quite a character. But, you know, there's so many people. When I first come to the Lord, I, you know, I, I was, I guess, a closet Christian. Jerome Hefter helped me with that. I, I tell the story that I don't believe that Peter just got out of the boat. I believe Jerome was in the boat and threw him out. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd been reading the Word, but I hadn't really gone to church at all. I didn't have a license, but I, I just read it over and over. I didn't even know anything about a concordance. I, I'd read the Scripture, and two or three days later, I'd try to find it. I'd go through it with my finger. It might take me two or three days to find where that Scripture was at. That's how I learned the Bible. But Jerome would be there, and somebody would have some questions. He'd say, I'd be back in the chemical room cleaning these masks and mixing paint and stuff. And he'd say, Ron, these people don't even know about, about the such and such. Go ahead and tell them. He'd just walk off. <laughs> <laughs> he just puts you out there. And sometimes, you know, you need someone like that in your life. You do. You know, because it doesn't always come easy to, to everybody to witness. You know, my wife told a story about, it was the day before yesterday, she went to Walmart, and this old old gentleman walked up to her and gave her a sticker and said, Jesus loves you. And she said, well, thank you. So she put it on him. She shopped a little bit. She went down another aisle. She met him again. She said, he still loves me. <laughs> and uh, it's got to be able to tell his testimony. He was an older gentleman, and, you know, sometimes maybe you, you ain't able to just speak. Somebody, you give somebody a sticker that says Jesus loves you or hand them a track or, you know, just pray up ahead of time. I don't know if you know Daniel Nally. Oh, yep. yes. Brother yep. Daniel, he, he come down to Anna. Brother Dean Severn from Fires Revival in Benton introduced me to Daniel. And, and they come down, and, and I believe it was last year or year before they done a every county mm. in southern Illinois, 33 counties, uh, every week, and – they would come to town ahead of time and canvas the neighborhoods and set up and tear down. And I remember sitting there at church one time, numbers was down, and you think, well, your pastor, <laughs> my Sunday school teacher said, there's a new game called Pin the Blame on the Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, we went to a prayer meeting. Brother Dean Severn has it, Fires Revival. He's had it for 20-some years every Tuesday, third Tuesday the upper room. and Anyway, I was telling them about an encounter I had with God. I was sitting there complaining about wasn't nobody there. I feel like the Lord said, wouldn't it just be a total disaster, just a tragedy, if hundreds of people in Anna got saved and you didn't get any credit? That'd just be horrible, wouldn't it? That'd be a tragedy. <laughs> and I was telling them about that. So Brother Dean said, I, I, I want this Brother Ray Sharp. I don't know if you know Brother Ray Sharp. Oh, I know Ray. Ray Sharp. But, but Ray 
He said, I want you to pray for him. So Ray began to pray, a powerful prayer. And he said, uh, he said, evangelists are going to come to Anna. He said, people from all over, all over the world even. Some of them not even going to know why they're there, but they're coming. I thought myself when he left, I was like, boy, you're out on a limb. And uh, you know, so I talked to Brother Daniel Nally. Uh, Dean introduced me and we talked on the phone we just like hit it off and anyway we went they come down to Anna or whatever and there's this group he had with him they had some uh, Hispanic people from uh, Texas and this one young girl uh, Sophia played the guitar led worship it was powerful there's a guy from Harrisburg West Frankfurt Chicago Franklin Tennessee uh, one guy was from Pakistan literally people from all over and all over the world and guy from Harrisburg, and that one guy, he came with that other guy from Franklin, Tennessee. He said, I don't even know why I'm here, but I just came. <laughs> and it's just like what Ray Sharp prayed. Mm -hmm. He said, there are going to people come from all over, even all over the world, and some people ain't even going to know why they're there, but they're coming. And I thought, and I don't know how much it done for the community, but it done something for me because it got me out of my comfort zone. Uh -huh. Go around door to door, canvassing, handing out tracks, inviting people down, uh, to the meeting, and it, it, it was really a blessing. Sometimes you need somebody to kind of get you out of See somebody with a little bit more fire. Monty Dash used to say that, so you know the definition of a fanatic? He said that's somebody that loves Jesus just a little bit more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so true. That's you know, so true. That's, that's, that's biblical. We're compelled to go to the highways and the byways to compel them yeah. to come. You know, it takes you out of your comfort zone to do that, but... There's something satisfying about it when you do. And and for the most part, most people say, well, nothing else to say. Is there anything I could pray with you about? Well, you know, and it'd be something that they'd have, and they'd give you a, an inroad to pray for them. Now, there was a couple that didn't, but by and large, at least you tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Yep. Well, uh, we're so glad that you came today and you know, by coming here and uh, sharing your story, sharing your testimony, sharing your church, you become part of Lonesome Road Ministries family. Praise God. And we are a family of uh, a lot of different ministers, uh, evangelists, singers, and people, and they're always looking for a church that they can come and minister in. And well, Come on down. We'd come on down. You. So it, if uh, they was to give you a call and want to come and be part of your Sunday service, All right. then they would be welcome there, wouldn't they? They would. 11 o'clock Sunday. Yeah. Come on down. We'd love to have you. Like I say, we're, we're not a huge congregation, but the more the merrier. And uh, we love Jesus, love the Lord. And we'd love to have anybody who wants to come and, and share a testimony or share a song or there you go or something to lift up the name of Jesus. There you go. All right. Well, we're going to see what we can do about that because I've got a lot of people that are always looking for a place to come and sing or or share a word or share Praise a testimony. God. Praise God. Yeah. So get ready, buddy. All right. The doors. Well, are, come on. <laughs> God's going to open up the floodgates for uh, faith community church in Anna and Pastor Ron White, and there's going to be a flood of people coming awesome. to to your church. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise I believe that. I receive that, Brother Gary. Amen. All right. You know, we built, you know, we, the Sister Brenda Wright, uh, she's one of the elders of our church and a fine Christian woman. She said, you know, she testified yesterday and said, I don't believe God had us to build this building and for no reason. Said it's here, and and uh, brother Pete Betts from Royalton, he he said one night, he said the Lord told him, said keep the sanctuary doors open, because mm -hmm. the darker this world gets, they're gonna need some light. Amen. And and it's it's getting pretty dark out there. Amen. And so we want to have a place for people to come in, yeah. like a sanctuary for them. Yeah. And you know, there's people out there right now that are listening to this podcast, this uh, CD, whatever. And they don't know Jesus, and they, they're just not sure about everything that we've been talking about. But if there's something that you could say right now that would help them turn their eyes to Jesus, what message would you have for them right this minute? I remember trying to make that decision. 
I believed in God because I got saved as a little boy, but, but I was angry and I was confused. But maybe they don't know anything about God. But I remember about making that decision, I thought, all this stuff i got to give up. I'll have to give up all this. And I look back now, you know what I had? My empire consisted of an old junk car, a house that wasn't worth $1,000, and two garbage bags full of stuff. That was my entire empire. And God's trying to give me the true riches. Mm-hmm. He's trying to bless my life. But not only that, he's trying to give me eternal life. Amen. And, the, and one of the biggest things is you cannot buy in the world, anywhere, is peace. You cannot get peace in your spirit or in your soul except by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to have true peace and, and contentment and joy in your life. And I tell you, if there's something struggling, holding you back with that, I promise you, Jesus Christ will never do you anything but good. You might think have problems. I ain't saying you'll never have a problem. But God will bring you through them. I can promise you that. Amen. We never close a program without offering people out there the chance to pray and ask Jesus into their heart. Would you, would you like to lead somebody to the Lord right now with a sinner's prayer? The scripture says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Say, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it skips a verse said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just say this prayer, Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Would you come into my life? Your word says that if that anybody that comes to you, you in no wise cast them out. So come to the Lord and, and confess your sins and, and proclaim him as Savior. Call upon his name. And Brother Rob Greenwald, I heard him one time say, he said, if those words meant something to you, they'll mean something to God. Amen. But if they don't mean anything to you, they're not going to mean anything to God either. But I'm here to tell you that if in your heart you'll call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll save you. Amen. And not only that, he, he'll, he'll bring a peace and, and, and a joy to your life and meaning and purpose. Praise God. Praise so God. call upon his name. Right now, I just pray, Father, you would touch people's hearts right now. Lord, while we speak right now, Lord, that people are making decisions, Lord, to, to, to call upon your name, to receive you into their life, Father God, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among the saints that are sanctified by faith in you, Lord. And we just believe right now, Lord, that you're saving people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 618-383-2107, and we would like to send you something. We would love to send you some uh, free CDs, podcasts, uh, a Bible, whatever you need. We want to help you, and Pastor Ron wants to help you, and his phone number is 618-697-7695. And if you can't call us, then call somebody and tell them that you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. And remember, God loves you. And we do too. Amen. Amen. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome. The end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Broken hearted and been lost I left a lifetime of misery
tree. 